0: Welcome back, folks! Women on Top podcast. Today we have the lovely Barbara back with us again. Barbara, hello, hello all. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. How are you feeling, Kristen? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Things, things. I'm always very hesitant to say, "Oh, I'm great," because I, I just live with that fear of the minute I say that something bad's going to happen. <laughs>
1: Why ten right? What? Why
0: tempt fate? Right. Exactly. And so I tend to just go, um, yeah, things are okay. <laughs> Cautiously yeah. optimistic. Things are things are good. Um, I don't know if over the weekend I watched the Ted Bundy tapes. Did you watch that at all? No. I haven't,
1: but I've heard nothing but good things about it. As far as it being really intriguing,
0: it's fascinating, but it's also enraging. Because the the men, the the lawyers, the detectives just couldn't I mean they just all they do is laugh throughout like every episode. like the whole thing was just so funny. you know the guy escapes not once but twice like at one point <laughs> he's in the courthouse and I guess there's like some sort of lunch break and he's in the some sort of library in the courthouse. What does he do? opens the window, jumps right out and he's gone for like an hour before anybody even notices the serial rapist serial killer is gone lovely right and and so the the lawyer is retelling the story and he said you know and the 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 bailiff came up to me and said uh, hey psst. <laughs> <laughs> I think it funny if you think of- <laughs> psst. um so have you seen Ted <laughs> Oh, my God. And the lawyer, wait for it, says, it's not my turn to watch him. Actually, it is. (laughs) It's always your turn to watch him. (laughs) Legal tip. Yeah, it's always your turn to watch him. So he escapes not once, but twice. And, you know, this idea that he was just so charming I'm not sure that's accurate. My friend, Sarah brought this up to me yesterday and she said, you know, it seems like that narrative was perpetuated by the men and not the women. Hmm. That he was this charming. So good-looking. What, what, how was he portrayed in the show? Like, um, you know, I see, unless you, I mean, unfortunately you can, you don't know how the women, perceived him because they're dead. And uh, there's one woman who got away and she said that he had, um, he had approached her. He was dressed like a police officer. And he said, well, we need to something. There was something up with your car. Somebody tried to break into your car and we need to uh, take you down to the station because we've arrested him. And so she went with him, even though there were like signs, like something was like, something was just off, but she wasn't quite sure. And so she said, can I see your badge? And he showed her a badge. And so, of course, she's going to think, like, oh, this guy's legit. And then they get in the car and he, you know, he slaps um, handcuffs on her, on her one hand. And she manages to get out. So um, I'm not hearing any of like, oh, he was just so charming and good looking that I had to go with him. Um, She went with him because she thought someone was trying to commit a crime and she wanted to help. You know, she wanted to, you know do whatever she needed to do to help get this guy locked up. So um, I don't know that the guy was necessarily charming and good looking. I don't happen to find him attractive. Um, I can see how some women might, but listening to these tapes, I mean, the, 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 there's just rage. It's just underlying rage in the way he's in his speech patterns and in the things that he says. And you hear like this, what this, what drove this man to escape twice, yeah, was his unending, bottomless need to hurt women. That's what drove him. Yeah. This wasn't just a case of oh, I think I'm, you know, I, I think I'm innocent and I'm, I'm not going to go through this. This was a, this was like an urge that he could not fight. Mm. And That's so, creepy. yeah, very creepy. And so, I think what. What really sort of assisted him wasn't that he was so good looking and charming, but kind of the opposite. He was so nondescript that he he knew how to fit in. Mm-hmm. He managed, he always could just get women to just sort of do whatever he wanted. And I think it was because, not because they were, he was charming and good looking, but because they, they just, they believed that he, like, he, there was so no, so nothing special about him. Right. But he was you know what it. I mean? So yeah, that was Yeah. I'm really glad I saw that. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's on Netflix. I think it's like maybe four or five episodes. And there are a few good podcasts that do recaps of this, of of the tapes, like True Crime Obsessed uh is doing a is doing a recap of it. They did two episodes and it's hilarious in the way that, you know, that's their their sort of a comedy show, but they still take it, you know, they still take it very seriously. Um it me
1: wonder though, when other men describe him in such flattering light, like, I don't know, is there an admiration there? I hate to say that because that sounds terrible, but. Uh, uh, Yeah,
0: that's, I think that's a really, really great observation. And yes, I think that there, there's a reason why these guys didn't give a shit. There's a reason why nobody was watching this guy and it's because they didn't care. They didn't care you know and i do think that to some degree they're like this guy really had his way with women yeah. and and so they insert it into the narrative well it's his looks dude has beady crazy eyes number 1 and number 2 i mean just when you listen to him you you know when you're talking to someone you're like something's not right there like there's there's something off right. so i don't know that these women um i, I I'll I don't think that it was that he was just so charming that these women never had a chance. Um, I do think that that's something that, uh, that's a narrative that the men came up with. And I thought, you know, once Sarah brought that up and I went back and I watched a couple of the episodes, I'm like, God, yeah, I think she's right. Uh, So if you get a chance, watch it. I really liked it. Did you see the Oscars at all? I
1: saw clips from the Oscars. I didn't watch we don't we cut the cord so we don't have live television anymore. But I did purposely go see some of the acceptance speeches and such because of especially I wanted to see Rami Malek's speech because he blew me away in Bohemian Rhapsody as many problems as I had with the film. Did, I, but
0: did, I loved uh, him. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I I saw the movie twice and I loved it for what it was. I didn't go into it expecting no. anything like you know gone with the wind i didn't expect a cinematic experience and to be perfectly honest i had no interest in that movie until i watched an interview with the cast and the four band members mm-hmm. the the rapport among them yeah. there was such a genuine affection and just just a genuine like and you can always tell when you're watching a press junket like i can r- remember listening to an interview with Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt and they were promoting that garbage fire of a movie they did a few years ago and they were trying so hard to make people think oh my god we were like best friends and it was so like you you just knew you're just like oh it's like the whole thing with her and Amy Schumer it's like girl it's it's fake we all know it's fake tone it down yeah but with these guys they really liked each other and that's what made me want to see the movie and that's and that's why I enjoyed the movie um you thought Freddie um what's his name you thought Rami Malek deserved the Oscar I, th- I thought he
1: did I thought he did a good job I he wasn't allowed to explore a lot of Freddie's life that I think was more challenging that maybe mm-hmm. would have proved he had better acting chops than he even did but I think he embodied him pretty well I mean, to be fair, I didn't see some of the other performances, so I can't really say comparatively one mm-hmm. way or the other, but I did think he sold the film. And and you're right, the chemistry amongst the actors who played the other band members was incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really, and from what I, it really came through, and what, what I heard was they shot Live Aid, that was their their first week of filming. mm they hadn't shot anything and else. What a challenge! And they said that they felt that doing that, doing that, uh, shooting that that scene, is what bonded them, because it you know this is like one of this is probably the greatest rock performance ever, and yeah. th- you know these guys are being thrown in to and and they had to play they had to play the instruments and they had to sing because they had to show the the muscles in the in the throat. Uh, so, so that people didn't think they were just lip syncing, right. and so to just have to do it like that right away, I think that was a. I think that uh, really bonded them, and I think it helped the movie. And I, the story was very thin, but I also think that there just there wasn't a lot of drama there. I think, right? Well, according to Brian
1: May, that's what he said. He said they didn't have a lot of drama as a band, that they were usually you know, like a family in that they had little, little things, but that mostly they were very united. Mm -hmm. So I think they they portrayed that very well. I, I mean, I think there's a lot out there as far as did they portray enough of his sexuality and, and all that. I, I mean, it depends on what the focus of the film was. It was a biopic about queen Mm -hmm. and yes, of course Freddie Mercury was going to be the star of that because he was the front man, but it wasn't, specifically a biopic just about Freddie, I don't think.
0: But see, and that's where I think there that's where I think there was a problem because yes, it was called Queen, but the tag for the movie is Fearless Lives Forever. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I I do think I think they wanted to make a movie about Freddie Mercury. Uh but they but they needed uh I think they just needed Queen <laughs> to do it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like they They need, there's a reason why I think they didn't go deep into Freddie's sexuality. And it was because even in the movie, he says, I'm not going to be a poster boy. You know, I'm not going to be a poster boy for AIDS or, you know, a cautionary tale. And I think the love that they had for him, they made sure like, look, fine, you can talk about it, but you're not going to make this gratuitous in any way, because that's not what he wanted. He wanted to be remembered as a performer. Right, you're right. And I think they had a lot of say in that. Um, I just, what really bothered me, just the idea of, you know, how how this country failed, just failed him, failed everybody that died of AIDS because we did nothing.
1: And now what's happening is Trump trying to take credit for somebody being cured of the disease is a joke that, just angers me. I mean, it's still yeah. something we need to think about. It's still something that's out there. It's still something we need to cure. And for him trying to take credit for that,
0: well, yeah, that's awful. another
1: topic, but
0: <laughs> awful. Yeah. And I really don't like to talk about the T word too, too much.
1: Um, no, I don't. but it, but in any case, you're right. We failed a lot of, especially we lost some of the most brilliant artists of our time, you know? And we, y-
0: yeah, we didn't just lose like famous people. Like given all the people that we lost, the millions that we lost because of AIDS, uh, undoubtedly there were some game changers in the in in that group of people. People who were going to change the world. Yep. So it's yep. not just that we lost Freddie we Mercury denied, denied, and we denied th- we denied them and we denied ourselves something right. really very very uh, profound. And it's just that I made me very
1: angered about something like that since I saw and the name of the film is escaping me. I'm sure it, anyone will think of it before I do, which is um the movie about Alan Turing that Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh,
0: was. the imitation game.
1: Yes. Yeah. I was so angry at the end of that film. Yeah. What we did to that. Well, we didn't, but what his country did, did to, to that man mm-hmm. and took away one of the most brilliant minds hmm Strictly because he was gay. Yep. And for no other reason. And I, I don't know, that the whole thing angers me of what we've lost from moral judgment.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I could not agree more. And it, it is, it's depressing. It's depressing. Uh, speaking of depressing, <laughs> in case anyone listening doesn't know, that's what we call a segue in the biz. Speaking of depressing... <laughs> Um, we learned that at broadcasting school. Yeah, we learned that at broadcasting school. <laughs> uh, did you get the, you, I'm sure you got the link uh, I sent you about that workshop, right? Yes. Yes, I did.
1: <laughs> See, I have a problem that we're going to talk about, you know, unavailable men. And I've, I've had the opposite problem in my life. I've had men that were way too available. <laughs> yeah so this will be an interesting topic to discuss, but I did get the link about the workshop and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. So
0: for people who don't know, and I'm not going to say her name only because I don't want people like looking her up and you know, I just don't want with this call out culture, what it is. I I just, I don't think this person is a bad person and I don't think she's a fraud and I don't think she's a scammer. Uh, I do think that there's some arrested development going on, but Mm. um, so I'm going to, I used to, Write about this woman years and years ago. We're talking maybe like 15 years ago when I first started my blog. And one of my longtime readers sent me a link on Saturday, <laughs> and it was to uh, a workshop being run by this woman. And this is <laughs> this is what it says. I walked into his office. Our eyes met, and instantly I knew he was attracted to me. I also knew he was a soulmate. Here we go, I thought to myself. Meeting a soulmate is heart-expanding and energy-raising, but also puts me a bit on guard as I know it's going to end badly. And I couldn't do that to myself again. Our first meeting went well. We smiled. We laughed. We connected soul to soul. I looked forward to the days I was going to see him. Mixed feelings arose. I knew he was in a relationship, living together with the woman, not married, but had a few kids. This was not something I was interested in. I went back to see him under the guise that he was doing work on me. He's a doctor. So right right away, a, a, a big a bell is going off <laughs> in my head. I had temporarily agreed to put on my blinders and sit in denial. But I knew better as to what was going on between us on an energetic and soul level. I couldn't let it continue. Not again. I stopped seeing him and stopped going to his office. A week later, he sent me an email. He was surprised that I didn't want to come back and quote-unquote continue care. Maybe it was okay for him to hide his true feelings, but not for me. I couldn't continue to live in denial. I mentioned a few things to him about us, quote-unquote, and our soul connection. I told him I couldn't continue walking the path of what we were doing. All right. I mean, there's so much more, and there's just so much to unpack here. Because she just so much. Now, this is a woman who, about 15 years ago, she put up a site and said she wanted to be engaged by the end of the year, six months later. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen. And so she, and I have to give her credit because she, and, and this is what you do when you, when you, like when you, when you become a viral sensation. You, you use it as a springboard. You opt, you try to optimize it. And she did. And she built a brand uh, about relationships and dating and love. And she started doing singles events and she started doing coaching and it, you know what, it worked for her. Um, That's and yet nice, what? That's nice. I guess I, yeah, I, I mean, it worked. And and look, I, I'm not a fan of dating coaches. I think most of them are just app, just charlatans. Um, but I, I think sometimes people people just needs they just need somebody to talk to about right. what's going on with them. So she built this brand, and she ended up going back to school and getting a d- a degree in uh, a master's in family counseling in marriage. And then she got married, and the marriage didn't even last a year. Oh boy! Yeah, and so. I'm reading this workshop and I went to her site just, you know, for the, of course, for the, you know, for the podcast, quote unquote. And, uh, she just kept talking about all these unavailable men that she got involved with, you know, the guys in the, the the married guys and the, this and the, that and uh, like unavailable men are hardly, (laughs) that is not like uncovered territory for me. Um, but what right. I th- what I felt just reading this stuff from her was a, it, I really got the feeling a lot of it was in her head.
1: <laughs> well, yeah.
0: <laughs> like I'm trying to imagine how this guy was when she was like, "Well, I can't keep seeing you, you know, because of what's going on between us."
1: <laughs> and he was like, "Dude, I'm just trying to give you your lab results."
0: Right? Like uh, it was just a biopsy on that mole. I don't. Can we just? <laughs> yeah. So
1: she plays the word soulmate around a little casually.
0: Yeah, I don't uh soulmates. I that whole I just don't like the I don't like the idea of soulmates or the one or I've never been a fan of that. Um or even fate. You know, I've always sort of believed things will happen when they're supposed to happen. Right? And and that yeah. uh but I also believe that things happen for a reason. So I don't know. Maybe I'm a, I'm a little torn. Uh, I don't believe in soulmates. Um, I, I the vibe that I get, and this is why I said that there was a arrested development. I felt that there was a rest, some some sort of arrested development, is that it, it's all very it's overly romanticized. Yeah. Right. And you know, I, I've I've told you I started that class, the trauma recovery coaching class, yeah. and as I'm doing my reading, you know. Many of us who are in that class and it's sort of re- recommended, you know, we're all trauma survivors. We've all experienced, um, abuse or neglect or, or, PTSD or, or assault. And, um, a lot of times we just kind of, as the result of it, at least for me, was to sort of, um, shut yourself off from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I was somebody who I always like. I watched a lot of TV. I read a lot of books, and I definitely had. And and I think that really formed something in me that when I when I got older that um, I needed that drama. You know, right. I needed the drama on and I, uh, uh, that I'd seen on TV. I mean, I when I I've uh, I've been dating somebody for a few months, couple months. Uh, seven dates. I don't know. I don't like to get all whatever. He listens. I don't want to get too into it. And, um, I was telling, I was telling some girlfriends about how I, I said, I just, I don't feel anything. I don't feel the, the tension and the, this and the, that. And I, I think it's just because I'm not attracted to him. And my friend, Sarah said, um, do you think maybe it's cause he's available? <laughs> <laughs> A fair and, question. and she was right. I mean, and that was, that was it, but th- there is something about, there's a, there's that drama and that conflict and that buzz that we get when we're involved with someone we shouldn't be involved with.
1: Right. But it's a very young feeling, I think. And it reminded me of how a lot of high school girls feel about their teachers. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I see the way that when he passed me back my exam, I could feel, yeah <laughs> what he was really saying with his eyes, and it, the whole thing read like that, it just read
0: like a teenage girl's diary right and and there is something very I don't know, it's and i do i wonder i, I do i wonder what the what the source of it is, right. you know what's the why do we why do we do it and i when i what got me is when i did um i did a Google search for information on this. And I put in, I think, um, emotionally unavailable dating and, you know, bloop, all these articles come up, but sure enough, they're all articles about women going after unavailable men. There's no articles about men going after unavailable women, which is a thing. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it doesn't get enough focus. See, and women are portrayed as oh you're just so pathetic and desperate because you go after unavailable guys or you go after a married guy or and that's how it's framed right like we're we're pathetic right. we're desperate and uh i don't know i don't necessarily agree with that i think a lot of times um people go after unavailable people because that's what works for them in terms of you know look i don't want an emotional right, involvement that. um and i don't necessarily think that women who get involved with men with significant others i don't buy this whole like oh well they just have no self-respect nah, not necessarily <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a good way to feel good about it they may just like the challenge. they may just Is like you, what do
1: you think it's about the challenge of having to win someone
0: away or yes do you think
1: i about? do
0: think that there's some of that and i know for for me when i was when i would get involved with people like not never been involved with a married man, but I have been involved with men who had girlfriends and there was always that sense of, I'd need them to choose me. Right. So that I feel better that I, that means I'm okay if they choose me. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it just never, it never really worked out like that. <laughs>
1: Well, I just wondered if it was about the challenge of, again, winning someone or being chosen, or if it was about the fear of, I don't really want to be in a relationship, so I'll pick someone who's never going to expect that depth from me. Mm -hmm. I do think, I
0: I mean, I think there are a ton of reasons, and like I can only speak from my experience, but Mm -hmm. um, what always... It's not that I was ever afraid. It's not at least recently. I wasn't afraid of being hurt. I was afraid of um, letting, disrupting the world I had created for myself. Yeah. And it was a very safe world and it was a very warm world. And I had really, um, for me, I had cut myself off. I had really disconnected from um, emotional involvements. Uh, and, And I think I've kind of always been like that just because of, you know, experiencing trauma as a kid, right. you know, where I just, I don't know if the words, I don't know if it falls under disassociated. I was asking my instructor that last week and she said, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I was always very much to myself. I was always with my headset in and I was always listening to music or I was watching TV or I was reading. And basically I was escaping into another world. And, so I, I guess that is disassociated, disassociating. Uh, and that's how I, you know, that was my safety, you know, because the real world that I existed in, there was just so much pain in there. Uh, right. and so growing up, I think, you know, after having created this safety for myself, stepping outside of it, that's what really terrified me.
1: But you were still in control in that you didn't, I mean, a relationship is partially surrendering to the other person. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult for people who have issues with not being in control because they've been traumatized or because they've had some sort of life experience where someone else took control away Mm -hmm. and used it for negative purposes, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's easier to I don't know. It's easier to surrender to to have those moments of surrender be to something that even you're controlling, like a movie or a book. Mm-hmm. You can always put the book down. You can always walk away from the film. It's not happening to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think in a, a, another re, another cause of it or is this desire for drama? Yeah, you know, I I hate to do this, but. You go back to Sex in the City and Carrie, you know, ditching Aiden and for Big. You know, yeah. big like Big was toxic. Big didn't change. Big was toxic and Carrie, frankly, was toxic. Uh and Carrie liked the drama. And Aiden didn't bring any drama to the table. I mean Nope, he just loved her. He just loved her. He was just there and he was just like, Hey, sugar, what's shaking? And she's like trying to get around the apartment and you know he's moved in, and she's really like, oh my god, oh my god, he's in my space, and I identified with that. I could relate to that, but right, I think she, I think Carrie liked the drama of it, mm-hmm. and I, I do agree. I do think a lot of people, men and women, like that. They 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 are drawn to the drama of being involved with somebody unavailable. You know that fear yeah. of being caught, that possibility of being caught, the illicitness of it. And
1: again, the 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 fact that in at least in the moment that he's with you, he's choosing you over someone else. Right. Or over something else. Right. It does feel good. It feels good to be chosen. I think everybody loves that. And I think everybody needs that feeling. Like I I talked to my husband a lot about, you know, it took us we actually went to couples counseling for a brief period because I was having a lot of trouble with I love you gestures versus I love you too gestures, if uh-huh. that makes sense you know and everybody needs to hear i love you unprompted yeah. or wants to hear i love you unprompted i love you too is very beautiful and it's a nice thing to hear mm-hmm. but to be chosen first or to be chosen over somebody else or to be told i love you first it's a big deal and and people crave that so i do understand the feeling of you know this guy has other options other solid options but he's choosing me right you know what i mean i understand the the visceral reward of that and the, the feeling of, of satisfaction you'd get from that.
0: Yeah. And what's funny or oh, not funny, but for someone with my background of, you know, losing my mother very young and obviously having those abandonment issues is that I was continuously recreating that dynamic yeah. with these unavailable people because they would, they would leave and it would, depending on how they did it, um, and depending on the, you know, the interactions, it would it could devastate me, right? And I would I would just keep recreating it over and over and over again, yeah, as though I was, I don't know, maybe trying to like get it finally get it right, like I finally go, okay, either he doesn't leave me or he leaves me, and I am okay with it, right? Well, that makes sense, you know. So uh, there, there is just so much to the unavailable men. Thing and um, you know, like why we there's there's much more to it, and and I feel like media tries to make it out like you know anybody women that go after unavailable men are just sad and pathetic, and I don't I just don't agree with that. And yet, you know, you see Love Actually, and you see that dude from Walking Dead, (laughs) he's basically stalking Karen Knightley. And standing at her door with the cards and he's like, I love you even when it goes to this. And she's like, ha and she's chuckling and it's so endearing when a man is portrayed as going after an unavailable woman.
1: That's true. I never really thought of it from that perspective, but you're right.
0: You know, like Patrick Dempsey in can't buy me love. Here's a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars for some shitty jacket that she spent, you know, spilled wine on, Um, you know, be my, be my girlfriend. Oh, isn't it cute? Isn't it cute that like he <laughs> he degraded himself for yeah. this woman? Like, does does anybody go? God, I wonder he, what low self esteem he has. Nobody cares. Nobody cares when men get involved with married women. Did you ever notice that? <laughs> yeah, I don't even think people talk about that very much. It never comes up. The focus
1: is I'm trying always, to think always of- women. It- Google that, how many articles would you get compared to the articles that you
0: got for the unavailable men? Right. You know, Jesus Christ, the whole Brangelina thing. Yeah. I mean, to this day, people are still like, She's a homewrecker, which I don't happen to believe. You know, nobody focuses on Brad Pitt <laughs> and what right. he did he wrong that. if he did anything wrong. Uh the focus is always on the two women. Yeah. And uh yeah, I'm just I don't like how it's framed. and what I feel like is also never addressed because these articles that would come up it was how do how do you land an unavailable man? how do you get him to commit? um how do you get him to open up? how do you get away from da 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 da, da. very few of the articles were like, hey girl, why do you keep going for these douchebags? <laughs> Let's talk about that yeah yeah <laughs> Let's talk about,
1: about you as opposed to what you can do to get him
0: right the focus is always on the guy it's never on the woman
1: yeah
0: there's no you're right
1: it is so much more complicated
0: yeah it's not as simple as oh you know she's competitive with other women or she has low self-esteem or. and i hate whenever i hear somebody describe a woman like that i immediately tune them out um it, which isn't to say sometimes it isn't due to low self-esteem of course it is but it's not always um but the fact and that is why,
1: you know what I mean? You reduce these women to having low self-esteem or whatever. And when you dig into it, like you're doing now in, in the work that you're doing to, you know, when you're in the things you're learning about is it's a deeper situation. It's not, it's not as pathetic as they make it sound. It actually has a cause, a root cause. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything I I don't like reductive stuff like
0: that, right? Everything has a root cause and everybody's experiences are different Um, And it just really irritates me because once again And this sort of ties back to the ted bundy thing of how nobody really gives a shit about the woman And what she's feeling and what she went through and why do you do this? No one really cares about that. It's like no one there's nothing there. It's not about like let's make you better. Let's make you healthier so that you can find somebody else Ring. You know, it's okay. Sure, let's let's help you land this guy who's, you know, sleeping around on his on his wife or his girlfriend. You know, and that was so, go ahead.
1: But also, once you land that guy, if you land that guy, doesn't I mean, will it work out? Yeah, because it's not going to satisfy that root cause that you have. Right, right, and it's that's not going to change that.
0: Yeah, and I think. You know, I think that's a lot of like why we fixate on these guys and why we, I just answered a letter today. I wrote a post on the women on top podcast dot com site about why do we obsess about people that uh, no longer want us? You know, why do we stay like why are you trying to get this unavailable person to commit if they're unavailable? Like what what's that about? And, yeah. you know. And again, I'm going to go back to that time years ago where you said to me, when I was talking about that, that British guy and you were like, but why, why has this affected you the way it has? And I just, I kind of blew past it. And I think a lot of times we, we fixate and we obsess on these people that don't want us because it's less painful than, um, a grieving the loss, you know? Realizing that these people were never going to have them and grieving the loss of that, even of a relationship that could have been. But also, it you know we we don't want to look within, right? You know we don't want to feel the pain of well, why do I keep doing this? You know, why do I like? I don't want to feel the pain of loss and I don't want to address the abandonment and I, I, that's just all too really uh, it's just too much pain. So we right. we sort of fixate on somebody else to keep. To sort of uh, distract us.
1: So, how has for you Mm -hmm. specifically coming to the realization about the loss of your mother, you know, and and wondering is the loss of other people and being able to survive it and being able to be strong enough to survive it, you know, shaping that little girl inside of you that wants to believe, you know, that she's strong enough to survive it? And how, how are you dealing with all that? Like, how is, are you? examining that
0: more or well yeah i mean i i i I have been examining that for the last few years but i i absolutely have to stay on top of it for this class you know part of those classes you know they make sure like what sort of self-care what routines do you have because some of this can be very triggering and so they make sure that like you have a therapist and they make sure that you have um you know other routines or, or other ways of um taking care of yourself And how have I, you know, I don't know that I will ever, um, heal from losing my mother or from being abused and having my family not, you know, not defend me or stand up for me or really do anything. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I will ever fully heal from that. This is still a process for me. Um, Right. You know, where I'm at right now. You know, when I decided to see this through with I call him D, um, it was because I just knew in my gut this was a this was a good man. This was a good Healthy. person with a good heart. And um, something just said in me, you know, suck it up. <laughs> it's it, you know, stop doing this. Cause if you don't if you don't stop if you don't put push yourself out of your comfort zone, you're gonna you're you're never gonna find anybody. And worse than that is you're just you're going to miss out on life. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just come down to being able to say, I'm okay. If he leaves, I'm okay. Right. If I'm on my own, I'm okay. If someone, you know, like when my cat died, this may sound frivolous to some people, I was dreading it and dreading it and dreading it. Cause I knew just the, how close I was and how dependent I was on this, on this little creature. I knew I was going to be just devastated and uh, I was, I was devastated and it was awful and it was traumatic. It was so traumatic that both times, cause I had to put cats down twice last year, both times I didn't get my period for like four months after each time. Wow. Yeah. And so you had a physical reaction in addition to the emotional. Oh yeah. Reaction. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's trauma. That's what trauma can do to you. And I really, I look back on that now and I think, okay, I went through it and yep, and it hurt, but I came out of it. I got through it. And um, I still, you know, I heard Rainbow Connection uh, a couple of weeks ago and I just kind of stopped and I just started crying because that's the song I used to play with my cat because it reminded me of my dad. And um, But I was like, okay, it's okay. I have that moment. I was so afraid of the pain I was going to feel It's Mm -hmm. that pain that I, that I would always feared, you know, and I, and I do wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that when my mother died, I was like seven. I didn't really know my mother, you know, she was diagnosed at three when I was three and she died, uh, right as I turned seven. And by the time I was like four or five, she was, she was pretty far gone. Um, and so I don't know that I ever really grieved her. You know, I think I just kind of went on. You know what I mean? I just kind of was like, okay, yep. I, n- I don't think I ever really processed it. You know, that this was not something in my house. My father was very much not about like processing the grief. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. my, my father was. That's generational too. That's generational. And and, and I think it had a, how, yeah, how he was brought up. And, you know, right. um, he just didn't want to deal with the emotional part of it. Um, right, and I think, just like not really addressing it and and just letting it sort of sit there, and it's a wound that's it's it's like covered with a flimsy band aid, right? You know, and eventually that that band aid is just going to rip right off, and it's just going to be it's going to be awful, and uh, that's what happened to me. It happened to me with that British guy, and then um, and then it happened to me when uh, you know I had the 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 series of losses: my father, my sister, my stepmother. All that, um, and, and it was—it's the that fear of the pain, because the the pain is excruciating, and you just don't want to—you don't want to feel it. And so i am see
1: seeing—I'm more interested in seeing what you how you react to, not that you're like my science experiment or anything, but I'm more interested in seeing how you react to to when someone stays.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, because I think you're, I'm interested in that too. <laughs> No, you know what I mean. Like, well, you you said
1: you've been on multiple dates with the same person, so I'm I'm interested in that because I think you're well equipped for loss. But I think you know, as people who stick around, it's it's more
0: of a a challenge for you. It's more of a ch- that is, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, you know, right now, I was saying that to somebody. So right now, it's it's just easy. I enjoy him. He's such great company. Um, he, he was, he last week he stayed over, went out to dinner and then he stayed over and he was here all day Sunday and I really thought, oh my God, am I going to, I was waiting, always wondering like how I would feel with that and boy, was it just easy. Like he did his reading and I did my work and we watched a movie and we, you know, we ate and we drank tea and it was, I was like, I, he's very much like me in that I think he's very simple and not stupid. He's far from stupid, simple in that he doesn't need a lot.
1: Yeah. And he's comfortable with
0: himself. It sounds like. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, and I do, I think I am, I am curious. I'm curious how to, uh, how that is all gonna, you know, let's get to the next, next phase because the beginning's easy. Right. Right. You know, it's.
1: Although my mother said to me once about I was married young, as you know, and that didn't work out, and, <laughs> and then I married Alex, and it's going to be twenty years this fall, and um, wow. We, my mother said to me, "You know the difference between your two marriages," and I'm like, "I'm sure you do," because <laughs> I love my mother, but she'll say she'll say things like, "Your hair being so dark makes you look heavy and old." Oh, and it's like thanks, mom. Oh. Um, wow. Well. He's actually a wonderful person, <laughs> very very complimentary, but every now and then gets a zinger in. So I asked her, you know, what what do you think the difference was? And she said, well, the first marriage, you loved each other because you needed each other. Mm-hmm. Like you needed each other too much. And she said, your second marriage is you only need each other because you love each other.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, my God. And it was kind of, a,
1: at first, it took me a second. I was like, it's a little pithy. But then I realized, <laughs> that's really, actually,
0: that's real, if you think about it's it. It's actually very insightful. It really,
1: me, it really was. And. I, you know, gave her a lot of credit for that because she's absolutely right. I mean, I don't, you, you, you sound like you're in the beginning stages of, you know, something that I have, which is, I don't need you, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be okay without you. I just like you. I just like having you around. Yeah. I like you in my face. I like, and, and what a game changer in a relationship that is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you just are kind of like, I just really enjoy you. And I do, I just really enjoy him. Yeah, and who knows? Who knows where that's wh- what that is gonna. I'm terrified because if he's listening, he I know he listens. He told me the other day that he listens, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and, um, no, but no pressure. Just
1: you like each other's company. Yeah, really- I don't
0: want to. I don't want him to be like, oh my god, is she picking out China patterns. No, I'm not. <laughs> Trust me, that's <laughs> You're the, not a China pattern kind of girl. I'm anyway. not. I'm, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I I know that there, this is this is the easy part. And so let's see that we still have to, we really have to spend more time together to decide, like, are we really compatible and that we still have to figure that out. Right. But I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the process very, very much.
1: And that's all that matters at this point.
0: Yeah. Look at us yeah. all grown up good and bad. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Barbara, but still with traces of those insecure 18 year olds, we once more. Oh, good Christ. I, I'll tell you. I just, I, I think back to those days and I'm like, I, I don't even recognize that person anymore. Me either. Ugh, Barbara. Thank God for that. Right? Ugh. This was really perfect. This worked very well, didn't it, Barbara? Yes, I think it did. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts on being unavailable?
1: I, again, I I've, I've suffered. I don't know what I've done, but... I've suffered more with the overly available people. Yeah. (laughs) My life. Like I actually had a man say to me once when I told him, you know, the problem is I don't love you. And he said, that's okay. I love you enough for the both of us. Oh no. (laughs) I was like, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. That's awful. Yikes. (laughs) That's probably a topic for another show, but it's definitely i I've had more of the needy types in my life, but That's because my job was to fix people.
0: Oh, so you're the nurturer.
1: And my job was to be the translator for people. And my job was to be the nurturer. And, you know, so it, 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 again, every relationship that you're in, if you're in a relationship of patterns, like I was, which I broke with my current husband, but, um, my current husband, it makes it sound like I'm jogging the ball. (laughs) my My current. Better not screw up, Alex, or you'll only be my current Yeah, husband. keep in mind, but, uh, people
0: listening to this are going to be like, who's Jar <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but the, the relationship patterns you set up for yourself are patterns. Did you hear that? My accent came out. Uh, the relationship patterns you set up for yourself are always dictated from who you are on the inside.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. So mine was dictated too. It
1: wasn't to unavailable people. It was to overly available people for the same broken reasons. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And that's what, again, like the articles were never all this advice in the articles. It was never about um, maybe you go after unavailable men because you're unavailable. You know, they don't really address the, the unavailability of the person pursuing the unavailable person because it's not just about, it's it's not just about like, oh, why do you do that? And is it because it's comfortable and there's no, you they're safe. In your own way, you're unav- you're unavailable too. Right. And uh, I don't know that people really, we, we just never, we never think of it that way. It's always, you know, that the, the man is unavailable and the woman's just pathetic. And it's never just, well, she's unavailable too. And that's probably why she goes for unavailable men. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. You know? There's a thing
0: there. Yeah, it's not as uh, cut and dry as I think a lot of these sites and a lot of these um, articles want people to believe, or even the media.
1: Well, if it's a simple, if it's a simple problem, it's a simple fix,
0: right? And it's, it's not. not exactly.
1: <laughs> That's the the problem. Is it's
0: not- yeah, and it, there's so much the 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 DNA of all of these. Uh, of these issues, it's it's different. It's never just, oh, well, okay, you lost your mother, so that means you have to do this and then do this. Because how I dealt with losing my parent or how I dealt with being abused uh, is not how somebody else necessarily is going to deal with it. Right. And so there's no pamphlet and there's no guide. It's just, it's just a process that you just kind of have to immerse yourself in and, and go through it and feel it and and follow the feelings. Right. And that's really,
1: and I'm interested, I would be interested to go to that workshop only to see what she suggests <sighs> as a serve all, uh, over encompassing, like work solution for everybody. What I,
0: because I, is- I just couldn't understand how, um, she would list out like all the, and there's a line in the posting. She, where she says, um, it's like she lists about ten different guys, unavailable guys that she went after, married and this and that, and um and she says, one may try to hide these sorts of things to look more professional or put together. I wouldn't want to give you the idea that I'm a mess. Girl <laughs> <laughs> <Too late>. Girl <laughs> There's a little thing called self editing <laughs> and and yeah. maybe try it. You know, and and I don't know how many of these are even real. I mean, it's the one before that was obsessed with playing video games late at night rather than sli- snuggling up in bed with me. The one that realized a month into our relationship that he was still in love with his ex girl. That was a guy who just wanted to get the get fucking away from you. I'm sorry, <laughs> girl, girl, girl. Um, the one before that that said the relationship was over with his girlfriend, yet he still lived with her and slept in the same bed, sweetie. Well.
1: Oh, honey. Oh, honey, no. Oh, honey.
0: Bless her heart. Yeah, bless her heart. And the one before that, that still had remnants of his ex-wife all over his house, which, P.S., isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I would never want to be with somebody whose partner died and they just, like, have nothing around the house. People
1: are allowed to have a history. Right, people
0: are allowed to have a history. Um, Yeah, this is... I don't know. And, yeah, after every paragraph... Of like what a total mess she is. Sign up. Here's the link. (laughs) Sign up. Yeah. But I noticed this pattern. Sign up. Here's the link. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for me to get the type of man in relationship I truly desire. You too. Sign up. Here's the link. (laughs) (laughs) And it is. It just goes on and on and on. And you're like, oh my god, this is how. This is what's going on in your head. This is how you think. So yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't think she needs a
1: sassy gay. friend. She needs a sassy gay friend. <laughs> I she, really she needs those. Have you ever seen those videos of the sassy gay friend? Or he reads, he talks to the Giving Tree, and he talks to Romeo and Juliet, and he talks. They're very, very funny. But it's exactly what she needs: is that type of person who is just going to go, honey. Yeah. She, no. And this is what I mean
0: about that. the Arrested Development, and there's this, there's this detachment from reality, and I, and I think it comes from. Not having anybody in her life to to kind of go, Oof, okay, girl, <laughs> pull it back. let's let's talk about this. And uh, I do I wonder I do wonder about her. like what's, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna speculate on stuff like that, but
1: right. it
0: definitely seems like she doesn't have many people in her life that are that she can talk to. And then, you know what? That makes me sad. is it, like, and fifteen years ago, I hated this girl, and I used to mock her relentlessly. And now I'm just like, I just, I, and I don't want to go. Oh, I just feel so bad for, her. I, I, I see no, her I for the flawed being. human being that she is, that we all are. And, you know, I saw her through my own sort of flawed lens 15 years ago, which is, whatever.
1: But your ability to develop compassion through developing self strength is is a good
0: thing. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not perfect. Trust me. You know, when I first read this, I was just like, oh, you fucking kidding me. <laughs> jesus christ what's wrong with this idiot <laughs> so trust me i mean that was there like that person's never going away um but i definitely uh took a little took a little bit more time barbara this was lovely
1: it was lovely and it was
0: so good to talk to you and uh i think we should do this again next week Absolutely, righty barbara People listening, Make Kristen, sure. <laughs> you can go to the website womenontoppodcast.com. top podcast.com. We are um, adding more and more content pretty much every day. Uh, I'm writing more advice articles, and uh, we're doing. I'm doing a little small mini episode where I answer one of the letters uh, and give my answer. You know, it's like a 15 minute episode. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Women on Top Pod, and follow us on. Instagram, woman on top podcast, join the mailing list. We're on iTunes and Spotify now. So if you feel like it, give us a really good rating. That would be nice. Uh, and that's it. Barbara, thank you so much for this. And thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week.